Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Referring you back to some old TV shows, I'm going to reveal some age today. I think I'm just going to show how old some of us are today. Because, see, the truth is, is the Partridge family, they ain't singing no more. Some of y'all don't even know who they are, but they've laid the microphones down. Uh, family affairs has a whole new meaning now that I don't think Mr. French would understand. Anybody? Re- okay, show me how old you are right there. Somebody told me about it, family affairs. I never saw it myself. You liar. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I've discovered this. I've discovered this, that the odd couple has gotten odder. Yeah, yeah, it's a different age. How many of you recognize this morning? We live in a different day than what we used to live in. The climate has changed. Society no longer just wants to suggest to us what family should be. They want to define family for us. And so what we've been doing over the course of the last three week or two weeks, and now we're going to end it this morning and wrap it up, we've been talking about the modern family. And what I've said to you is that there are some ancient truths, old truths, hidden, not well, actually they're not even hidden, they're plain as day, listed for us, accounted for us in Scripture, that even though we live in a modern society, in a modern day, we need to go back and learn again some of those principles, some of those truths. If we are going to have the families that God wants for us to have, then we've got to learn these truths. And so I've said some things to you. Let me recap. For those of you that are here for the first time, or maybe you've missed a week, or, or maybe you're here every week, I'm just going to kind of reiterate some things to you so we'll make sure we're on the same page. The, the first thing I told you was that you've got to come to grips with this understanding. God not only instituted the first marriage and the first family, he is still involved to this day in marriage and family. He, he, is, he is completely interested in your family situation now. It doesn't matter if it's a good family situation or a bad family situation. You've got to know that there are some days that you don't even know God is, a, is working. You don't even know that God is concerned. You don't know God is involved. But I'm telling you, you've got to rest in this fact. God is concerned about your family. And then I told you this. Happily ever after doesn't just have to be a fairy tale. Happily ever after, however, requires consistent and hard work. That's right. That's right. A bad family relationship can become a good family relationship through work. A good family relationship can become a great family relationship through work. The equation never changes. You always have to be willing to work at your family relationships to make them better than they are. Yeah. The third thing I told you was this. You'll remember out of the account of Abraham, I indicated to you that if we're not careful, you can give away your marriage. You can give away your family. Am I right? Uh, Step by step, by little choices that you make on a daily basis, if you are not careful, you will systematically give your family, your marriage away. But I gave you good news. you remember what it was? The good news is that God can in turn give you your family and your marriage back. How many of you know that God can turn some things around? How many of you know that just because your family has been uh, broken doesn't mean that it has to be busted? Just because your family has been dis- seems like to be destroyed, it doesn't mean that it's doomed. Uh, that, that there are uh, God has ways of turning things around. He brings hope to the hopeless. Amen. I'm thankful for that today. And then last week I told you this, that we're all treasure hunters. 
you understand that when we begin to recognize the treasure that exists, it, like I recognize the treasure in my spouse, I recognize the treasure in my kids, the only problem is is that treasure is always covered with dirt. You gotta be willing to buy the whole field to get to the treasure. And, and I told you, and I made this statement to you, you cannot continue to give people access to your treasure if they are not willing to deal with your dirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To get all, the best of me, you get all of me. Yeah, yeah. Look at your, your spouse, your, your family members say, I'm still digging for treasure in you. I believe there's treasure in you. Yeah, there, there's treasure there. You just gotta be willing to dig through it. And, and then I said this to you, uh, the, how do we unlock the treasure inside of one another? Anybody remember? Honor. Yeah, it is as I honor you that the treasure in you rises up. I've got to be able to see through your dirt and recognize the treasure inside of you. And as I begin to honor that treasure, your treasure will rise up. That's why I said, men, you can't continue to treat your wife like a maid if you want her to be a queen. It's about honor. That's why, ladies, I said you can't continue to treat your man like a little boy all week and then expect him to step up and be the man in your house because you are neutering the spiritual authority in your life. Y'all, you see, y'all better shout me down now because, listen, we honor. That's why I can look at my crazy kids when they're acting all foolish and, and I can still say you're a mighty man of God because I look through their dirt and I dig in there and I see that treasure and I honor that treasure and it rises to the surface because we become what people say about us. And yeah, I'm, y'all were here, so I, I could preach that one again. It's all about honor. Well, that brings us to this morning and... Uh, if you'll help me, I, I, I'm going to get very, very, very practical with you. Probably the most practical marriage you may have ever heard, message, not marriage, the most practical message on marriage that you've ever heard. And so this morning what I want to do is I want to talk to you about arranged marriages. gathered here today to join together in marriage, Glenn and Karen. Today is a sign of love for one another. Marriage is a beautiful bond. It is the union of two people who were filing their taxes separately but are now going to be filing together. (laughs) To symbolize that special bond, you will exchange wedding rings. You see, the ring is an infinite Circle and it symbolizes the never ending circle of challenges and difficulties that lie ahead for the both of you. May I have the rings? See, the vows you are about to take should be taken 
with caution and with much consideration of their content. Now please turn each other and face each other. And Glenn, if you would, please take that ring and place it on Karen's finger. And repeat after me. Say, I, Glenn, take you care. I, Glenn, take you care. To be my lawfully wedded starter wife. To be my lawfully wedded starter wife. For better and better. For better and better. For richer as we go into debt. For richer as we go into debt. As long as you stay skinny. As long as you stay skinny. I promise to yell at you. I promise to yell at you. To ignore and neglect you. To ignore and neglect you. To compare you to other women. To compare you to other women. From this day forward. From this day forward. I promise to be faithful to you. I promise to be faithful to you. Until I convince the girl at work to sleep with me. Until I convince the girl at work to sleep with me. Till divorce do us part. Till divorce do us part. Now, Karen, if you take this ring and place it on Glenn's finger and repeat after me. Say, I, Karen, take you, Glenn. To be my starter husband. To be my starter husband. From this day forward. From this day forward. As we try this out for a while. As we try this out for a while. To join with you. To join with you. As long as I can manipulate you. As long as I can manipulate you. To demean you. To demean you. And tear you down in front of my friends. And tear you down in front of my friends. To despise you. To despise you. I promise to be faithful to you. As long as you make a ton of money. As long as you make a ton of money. I am completely yours. I'm completely yours. Most of the time. Most of the time. Till divorce do us part. Till divorce do us part. You have made this commitment hoping that you would be one of the lucky couples that their marriage would actually work. That you would be able to tolerate each other for a lifetime. And I admire your ambition. As witnesses, we are honored to share this moment with you. And we wish you the best of luck, even though we know your odds are only really 50-50. Because of the promise you have made to each other, I now pronounce you husband and wife. You may kiss the bride. Nobody starts like that, do they? Uh, uh, I just attended a wedding. Jason and Blair are here. Yeah. They, they just got married. I can promise you without doubt that their marriage ceremony did not go like that. Uh, nobody starts that way. Nobody, nobody makes those kind of vows, those kind of declarations, because we believe that it's all going to be good, right? And so I want to talk to you today about arranged marriages. Now, uh, that's not a term you hear much anymore, arranged marriages. I mean, in the Old Testament, there were a lot of instances of arranged marriages. You know what an arranged marriage is. It's where the, the, the father and mother of a son meet a, uh, a father and the mother of a daughter, and they make an agreement. Like the, the, the son brings like nine donkeys and two sheep and, and, and gives them to the, whatever the, they feel like the daughter's worth. And, and then they, without any input from, from the son or the daughter, they make this arrangement that they're going to get married. That's not the kind of arranged marriage I'm talking about. Although, now that my children are getting older, and uh, it's as crazy as it is out there now, 
I am seriously considering that. Well, uh, that's not what I'm talking about. See, the word arranged means to set in order. uh, Another word that would fit perfectly is this word planned. See, we think that preparation isn't really needed when you begin to talk about marriage because our love will trump all lack of preparation. I love you. Yeah, that'll get us through. We love one another. We love, you got to say it right, we love one another. Make me But how many of you know that's not true? How many of you know you can make a promise, and if you're not prepared and situated to fulfill that promise, then in all reality, the promise means nothing. And so we must prepare. See, here's the, here's the, pro, here's the problem. We hear a lot about planned parenthood. But we, by the way, you can't really prepare for that either. But, but we, we talk about planned parenthood, but we talk very little about planned marriage. The, the problem I have with that is this. We know, you, you know this, I'm not telling you anything. You, you know that without preparation, you plan to fail. You know that about school. If you don't prepare for school, if you don't do the homework, you don't do your assignments, you don't study, when you, it's, it's pointless to go and expect to make an A on the test if you haven't prepared for the test. We know that. We know that in, in athletics, if you don't practice, if you don't do the drill, practice, we're talking, yeah, practice. If you don't practice, if you don't do the drills, if you don't put in the time, you don't watch what you eat, you don't prepare your body, then you know that when you show up at the meet that you're not going to win and you're not, we're not going to be successful. We know that about work. If you don't prepare for your job, if you don't get your education right, if you don't get your training, if you don't go through the apprenticeship, then you know you will fail miserably at work. Am I right? And, and yet plan weddings and fail to plan marriages. See, some of us, our, our weddings come off without a hitch. Uh, no, no problems. The, the songs go right. Everybody enters at the right time. The, the, you know, the, 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 the little ring bearer actually goes where he's supposed to go and doesn't pick his nose during the ceremony. The little, the little flower girl actually throws the... Everything goes right in the marriage. But if we were honest today, we would say, although the, the wedding went perfect, our relationship is a mess. Because of lack of plant, planning. See... This morning what I want to say to you is that if you have no plan, if you have no order, if you have no shared dreams, if you have no shared vision, the Bible specifically says that where there is no vision, people perish. That filters right on down into your family life. If there's no plan, you'll fail. It's funny to me that it seems that what we do is we plead with God to arrange our weddings. I, now, now I'm just going to tell my story. Maybe you just took the first thing that walked along, but that, that's not true for me. I prayed, oh, God, please send me the right one. Please. Yeah. Nobody else prayed that? Yeah, I'm the only one. Yeah, lucky you are. I actually prayed for God. We asked God to arrange our weddings and I sought God to help me find the right one. But I wonder how many of us, after that moment, even though we've asked God to help us to find the right one, we fail to ever seek His assistance in ordering our marriage once we get the right one. And then, when things fall apart, we want to blame God for our lack of planning. Don't shout me down. That's what happens. I've been speaking in this this 
series that we're wrapping up today, I've been talking very broadly about family relationships and and though that but this morning I want to hone in on marriage. Now you say, "Well, I'm not married, I'm single." Well, then you need to listen very closely because I hope I'm going to save you some heartache as we talk about how to order your marriage. Uh, Ephesians, there's a passage of scripture in Ephesians chapter 5 that I want to take you to, into for just a moment because I think it says something that speaks to us about this concept of ordering or planning or arranging our marriage. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, it says this. It says, watch what God does, and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents. In other words, if we are going to be the people that God wants us to be, He's telling us in Ephesians that what we should do is we should follow the example of our Heavenly Father. And when I think about our Heavenly Father, what I recognize this morning is that God showed us, modeled for us. He walked this out for us. He's been working on a marriage since day one. He's been ordering and arranging since day one. Did he, did he plan the, the wedding? Absolutely. He's, he, he's worked to, to prepare the marriage feast of, of the Lamb, the, the marriage supper of the Lamb. He's, he's put the bride in place. He's preparing the bride. He's, he's already sent the groom. And he's working through our day to, to bring the two together. But he's also went further than that. He's gone further than that. He's, he's even worked out where we're going to live and what kind of house you're going to live in. It's been called a mansion. He's... he's he set up what you're going to eat. He set up the streets. He's built all. He's all about order. I'm just trying to convince you this morning that that when we talk about relationship, the number one example, if we're going to live out in Ephesians chapter one, we watch what God does, and then we in turn follow his example and what he shows us and models for us is that he planned a wedding and he planned a marriage and he plans relationships and so should we. We must plan. He is a God of planning. And so I take you into Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24 from the very beginning. This is what God says about marriage. He says, Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother, and here's the important statement, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. So the plan, the order, the structure that God put in place is he says, this this man will cleave to this woman. The word cleave literally means this. They are glued together. That's a powerful statement. That, in other words, they are compatible. They are in agreement. They are in lockstep with one another. They have such an arrangement in their marriage. They planned and ordered their marriage to the degree that there's no way that you can separate the two. Nothing will separate them. There's no wedge driven between them. They are literally glued together, stuck together, so they cannot go separate ways. They are in lockstep with one another. That is why I'm saying to you today, you better order your marriage. And so... I, I just think, here's, here comes the really practical stuff. I, I, I just think there are four key areas that if your marriage is going to last, anybody in here want their marriage to last? Okay. If your marriage is going to last, then you better deal with these four key areas and set out a plan, set out an order, and get some structure. And you're going to have to talk about it. You've got to be willing to confront these issues, and you've got to prayerfully work together through them to get the details all worked out so that you can stay glued together. All right, so you're with me, right? Okay, here they are, real practical. Number one, if you are going to arrange your marriage, then you must deal with the issue of time. 
You must make, listen to me carefully, you must make time for one another. Uh, okay, now I know this stuff ain't shouting stuff, but, but, but I'm trying to help you. See, what you've got to recognize this morning is that your job will demand your time. Your kids are going to demand your time. I promise, 25 hours a day, your kids are going to demand your time. Your, your education will demand your time. Your house will demand your time. Your society, this society will make demands on your time. And as busy as you will be, and as you are, I want to declare to you that if your house, your marriage is going to last for decades to come, you must Deal with the concept of time and make time for one another. See, here's why. One day, it's just going to be the two of you again. And if you don't make time for one another now, you won't know one another then. If you are not diligent, you can end up with not only an empty nest, but an empty heart and life because of lack of time. Sharing your home with someone is not enough. You can share your home with a stranger. But it is as as you make time for one another and you invest your time in one another. By the way, you don't just give your time. You don't just spend your time every minute of every day of your life. You are investing your time. And if you do not invest your time in one another, you will wake up and not even know the person you're sharing a house with. See, we know this is true and that it's possible. We've been told this and we bought it. And it, and it is a reality. You can grow apart. Right? But but I just want to turn the tables on that this morning and say, you know what? There's good news. You can also grow together. And the ingredient that enables you to grow together rather than to grow apart is time. Yeah, see, I, I just need to tell you this morning that we all have the same allotment of time. There's nobody in this room right now that has more time than anybody else. It's the most valuable commodity you own. No, I got a car that's... No, I don't care about your car. You can get another car. Oh, it's my house. I've been investing in this house. Listen, your house is not the most valuable commodity that you own. You can get another house. I, it's friends. I, man, you don't know how many good friends I got. Listen, you get more friends. The one thing that you will never get more of is time. In fact, the truth is is that time can run out. You can spend all your time, and if you're not careful, you will wake up years from now, and you will ask this question, where has all the time gone? Some of you need to recognize that because of how you are investing your time right now in your life, one day you're going to wake up, and you're going to look at the person you've been living with as your spouse, and you're going, where has all the time gone? What has happened to us? How did you spend all your time? You must invest your time wisely. So, so my question to you this morning is this. Is when was the last time you spent quality time with your spouse and your kids? When's the last time you spent some time away with them? See, because time is just slipping, slipping, slipping away. See, yeah, I got some rock folks in here. No, yeah, I just want to draw you back in for a second. Yeah. 
I know you. Well, Steve, you don't understand. I don't have any money for a trip. I don't. We don't have any money. I can't take no trip. I ain't talking about no trip. I'm talking about quality time. Because here's the here's the reality that you've got to understand. We reveal our level of selflessness by how we invest our time. If you want to discover somebody's heart, all you've got to do is take a peek at their calendar because the way we invest our time shows people what we really love. And if you're spending more time on your job than you are with your spouse, then you must love your job more than you... If you're going to be the type of relationship that God wants you to be, you better arrange your time. The second thing that we have to arrange is we must deal with the issue of dreams. You say, well, why is that important? Well, I'm convinced that if you don't share dreams, then you don't share one another's hearts for very long. You've got to have the same dream. It isn't enough to share a house with somebody. You must share a dream with somebody. When you share a dream, your hope will stay alive. I am convinced more now than ever that the thing that will keep your marriage together when everything is going wrong and when everything is not like you want it to be and when you're broke and you don't know what you're going to do, the one thing that can keep that thing together is a dream. I think I can point to history and illustrate that for you and tell you that it was Joseph's dream that kept him alive and kept him going when he was in the pit. I think I can point you to Jesus and say on the day that he was hanging on a cross, it wasn't a great day. But his dream, the, the, the vision for the future, caused him to hang on. Paul, when he's been beaten and shipwrecked and snake bit, it's the dream. There's a dream out there. And if you as a couple could ever determine and, and plan and arrange your dream, your hearts would be knitted together to the place that nothing would separate you because we share the same dream. Oh, by the way, you won't just accidentally end up at your dream. We, we, you don't, well, we don't ever talk about our dream. We don't, you won't get there. You've got to plan this. You've got to make sure that you are intentionally moving in lockstep towards a common goal, a common de- de- destination. Your dreams are fulfilled as you both work to make that dream a reality. So, listen, it is the dream in your hearts that make all the hard work doable. And if you lose sight of that common shared dream, your hearts will be divided. And then you will have division. Two visions. And with division, you never end up where you wanted to be. And so you need to start talking and discovering what are your common goals? What are you pushing for? What are you believing for? What are you investing in? What are you giving towards? You've got to have a shared common dream. The third thing, and get tight now, that you've got to deal with is you've got to deal and come up with a financial plan. Do you recognize this morning that in the United States of America right now that the number one leading cause of divorce is financial struggles and tension over money in the household? In fact, I heard on the radio this week that four to one is the greatest. That means that, yeah, there are people that get divorced because she didn't do the toothpaste right and he didn't put the seat down. But four times more than that, 
financial arguments, financial tension, lead to those kind of struggles. And so you had better have a financial plan. You had better make sure that your entire family is headed in the same direction and has the same goal financially. Otherwise, your hard-earned money will be spent on something that doesn't get you to your goal. Without an agreed-upon plan, you will begin to make small choices on a daily basis that will impact your future and cause division in your household. She will buy a dress... drive you crazy because that was light money. And he will buy a boat that will want to make you kill him because it was the college education fund you've been putting back for six years. If you don't ever talk about it, you will go in different directions. So, here's a novel idea. You ought to talk to your spouse about money. You ought to talk to your kids about money because your kids will do with their money what you do with yours. So, got to get practical. Let me give you some examples. Julie and I, early on in our marriage from day one, had some rules. I'm not saying you ought to have these same rules, but I will say you probably ought to have these same rules. Some version of these rules. Whatever, whatever, whatever fits what fits for you, what works for you. But, but you ought to, this is how specific you ought to get. Like, number one, we made a, a, a choice very early on, and this is true to this day, that neither one of us can spend $100 without first checking in. Now, maybe you're a millionaire. A millionaire in the room, maybe it ought to be like $1,000. But for us, $100 is pretty good. So, Come to some agreement. I will not ever spend this amount. I know the truck is beautiful. I know it's got the rims on it. And the, man, you ought to hear. But hundred dollars? Talking about ninety-eight miles without checking in. But if it's ninety-nine point nine nine, you better be dialing on speed dial, talking to me about is this okay? Let me say right there. That one thing right there alone would save you a whole lot of fights. I had to have the new phone. World War III, because you didn't check in. The, the, the second rule that we set uh, very early on was that we made a decision that for our family, we would tithe faithfully. That's, that started way back when, actually started before we got married, but when we got married, I was, I was rolling in the dough. I mean, I had money just dripping up. My entire salary, I was a full-time youth pastor, <laughs> my entire annual salary was $6,800 a year. Don't roll up on me. I was rolling. We, we made up our minds that on $6,800 a year, we would still pay our tithes faithfully. And that is still true to this day. And the reason that we decided to do that is I figured it, I didn't want to live on $6,800 the rest of my life. And I recognized that if I wanted God to bless me, I probably ought to obey Him. And He says if we would give Him 10%, even when we don't know how we're going to pay our bills, because on $6,800 a year, there were some bills we weren't sure how we were going to pay. But we always were able to because we were faithful. I recognize that it is much more fun 
to live under open windows than to be in prison financially because I robbed from God. And so that is one of our rules. I would suggest that rule for you because I want you to be blessed. The third one is this, and this is huge. We made up an agreement a long time ago that there must always, 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 no exceptions, always be agreement on financial decisions. That is a major peace factor for our home. That I won't make any investments, I won't make any choices, I won't go out and make major purchases, and and if I if I feel really oh I feel good about this if I walk into the house and she says I don't feel good about that that is a deal breaker. No negotiations, no whining, only a little begging. But if she doesn't feel peace because I trust the Holy Spirit in her, if she doesn't feel peace, then the answer is no. And if I don't feel peace, the answer is no. That means even though I felt good about the car, she doesn't, we don't buy it. down, drag out, I'll kill you fights. And if you would just learn to trust the peace level in one another, it would save your relationship. You've got to have a financial plan. You need to set up and establish some boundaries, some ground rules, and some course of action, or you will find yourselves broken in more ways than one. And then last, and boy, this one's going to get real fun. I didn't know you talked about this kind of stuff in church. I'm just trying to help you. You need to arrange your physical life. You need to talk about and plan for your physical life with your spouse. Now, I know that you all think it's going to be like the movies all the time. I know that the guy, the, the lady is convinced after you get married that at least three times a week you, she's going to walk in from a hard day doing whatever she's doing, and when she walks in the front door, there's going to be like rose petals laying out on the floor, leading her to a room, and there's going to be candlelight and soft music, and the meal will be prepared, and it's going it's just going to be like the movies. It's so romantic. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. And the, guy think, the guy's convinced, man, I know this is the way it's going to be. I just know it's going to be like this. Every day of the week when I come home from a hard day's work, my wife is going to meet me at the door, and when she opens the door, all she's going to have on is an apron. Y'all get that later? And it's going to be so storybook and romantic and, and spontaneous. Can I just tell you, wake up. Wake up. You wake stinking up. Because I've determined and, 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 I, and, I, and I've discovered, um, and, and I believe I've come to this reality, uh, if you wait for the spontaneous, all you're going to end up with, with is sporadic and sparse. you got to have a plan. See, I think one of the biggest problems in marriages today is that when it comes to our physical life is that there are so many unwritten and unrealistic expectations that each partner brings with them and they never talk about it. So what happens is 
these unrealistic expectations or these expectations lead to major hurt feelings. And they open the door to try to find fulfillment somewhere else. I'm preaching. And so what happens is, since we never talk about our physical needs, what happens is this poor guy or this poor girl finds out that there's something wrong by the exit or by the cold shoulder or by the unexplained explosive argument that they end up having because there were needs that were unrealistic or maybe they were realistic but they were never communicated and so pain comes in now let me say this up front I realize that arranging the or planning the physical part of your relationship is not storybook and I understand that it does not make up what you would think would be movie material but I want to say this to you and I think I can I think I'm right I believe that if you would at least discuss your physical needs with your spouse, that what it would do is that you would find that your relationship is more rewarding and would probably become more spontaneous. But you cannot expect them to be spontaneous and meet your needs if they don't even know what your needs are. I know this, if you get your physical life in order, the rest of your life goes pretty well. I'm telling you, that requires you to arrange. Now, here's the problem. Most of us will spend hours arranging our work life, our hobbies, our sock drawers. Oh, wait a minute. I'm the only anal one in the building. <laughs> That's just me. Uh we, we, we spend hours doing all this. And I just want to say this to you. I think it's time that we spend some time arranging the most valuable relationship that God has ever given us. You've got to plan this thing out. We've got to follow the example of our Father. We've got to remain glued together. And the only way you stay glued together is by planning. And so how do we do that? What does that process look like? Well, I'm just going to tell you how it works for me. I think, you all know me, I don't say this very often. I really think that God has spoken to me and given me a tool for you that would help. And it comes out of our own life. I I was sitting in my living room uh, about two months ago just praying and asking God, God, how are we going to, we got a great relationship, but I I don't want to just show up 20 years from now and, and, find out it could have been better. I I don't want to just survive 20 more years. I I want our relationship to blossom and grow and become everything. How does that, God, how can I get 20 20 more years and he said, you got to plan for it. you got to communicate. So I sat down and I developed a sheet that every one of you, every adult in the room, married or single, doesn't matter, you're going to get one of these. It's called the Next 20 Plan. And it gives you the opportunity. Some of you are going, I can't talk to my spouse about our finances. We, every time we fight about or talk about finances, we fight. I can't talk to my spouse about time because then they'll accuse me of not spending. I can't talk to my, my spouse about our sex life. I'm giving you a tool right now. What I did is I sat down. I worked. I started two months ago, so I cheated. Uh, mine's three pages long. Uh, I just gave it to Julie last week, told her to fill it out and bring it this morning. Uh, I got three months or two months into mine. It's three pages long in a six font. 
I'm playing. I'm not that needy. Yeah, I probably am. <laughs> but I've got mine. I'm going to give it to her. She's going to give me mine. This gives you an opportunity to to go into a privacy of your own. Don't do this together. Do it separate. And listen bluntly. Write it down. And when you write it down, if it's unrealistic, take it off. But weed it down to what you really need from them financially. What do you really need from them emotionally? What do you really need from them spiritually? What do you really need from them physically? List it all out. Then you're going to come back together and you're going to trade it. I'm going to check on you in the next couple of weeks to make sure you've done it. And if you haven't, I'm going to put you in detention. And, and I'm going to give you a C instead of an A. And you're going to, you're going to trade. And you're going to read through it together and find common ground. You may not agree on everything, but you can find some common ground. That'll work. Now you say, well, Steve, I'm single. Okay? You desperately need to fill one of these out. Fill all four sections out. Cut the fourth section, which deals with the physical, and keep that one to yourself. Don't give it to somebody that's not willing to sign on the dotted line. Make them put a ring on it. But All right? But you say, well, why do I? Because if you would list these things out, can I tell you? Single folks, listen to me. Can I tell you what to do? It'll narrow the field down. Because if they're not willing to do these things, they don't deserve your treasure because they don't want all of your field. You've got to list it out and be very specific. It will help you choose the right people. Come here, babe. Come here, babe. Bring yours with you. Hers is not as thick as mine. Mine's pretty thick. We're going to trade them. We get to go home and read them this afternoon, and we'll get together and talk about them. We want you to do the same thing. I'm in trouble. Y'all pray for me. <laughs> Y'all, yeah, let, let's pray right now for Pastor. Oh, Lord, don't let Julie kill Steve. No, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. Listen, I am, honestly, I'm trying to help you. This may open up lines of communication that have been shut down for years. I wish we had done this when we first got married. And it's time for some of you to make this kind of investment into your relationship. It'll save you from a heartache. It'll get you through 20 more years, I promise, if you'll just work on these things. I want to pray over you, and then I'm going to get out of the way. Father, the family's under attack. The enemy knows that the family is close to your heart, that it was your design and your plan. And so he is hard after trying to destroy relationships. Father, I don't know the condition of every relationship in this room. There are some great relationships. There are probably some that are struggling. Some may even have battled it out on the way here this morning. But Father, I know this. Your desire for a relationship is that we have the best marriage possible. And so God, I pray this morning that you would strengthen our homes. We come against the enemy who wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants to destroy us. We come against him and we declare that instead we will arrange our marriages to bring glory and honor to you. So God, I pray over relationships in this room this morning. I pray for husbands and wives that don't feel glued together. I pray that this little tool as they fill it out over the next couple days or week that you would use it to open up lines of communication and out of their transparency they would see one another's heart 
God, I pray that as I read this, I would see Julie's heart. These, these are the things she needs. Help me to fulfill those things. God, I pray that that would happen in every home, every individual in this room right now. That as they bear their hearts, I pray they wouldn't hide anything. And I know that's difficult, but God, I pray that we would lay our souls bare before one another. And that as we offer ourselves, that together we would find common ground that we can work on and plan on. And that, Father, I'm asking you out of that, that you would usher some relationships into a productive 20 years. God, I pray that would be true for those that are just starting, like Jason and Blair this past week. I pray that the next 20 years would be filled with fulfillment. But God, I also pray for those under the sound of my voice that have been married for 30 or 40 years, that God, it would be like a fresh wind blows in and they would be remade and renewed and they would find that their relationship is the most fulfilling thing in their life. God, I pray over the families here. I pray over the single folks here. God, I pray you protect their hearts. I pray that as they fill these things out, you would allow them to begin to narrow the field down and they would be able to see your hand at work and turning people away that if they thought might be the right one. God, I pray that they would see that there are very specific things that they're going to need. And you would use this as a tool to protect their heart and their life. So that together, when it's all said and done, we would all have blessed families. And we would see no division, no breaking. We would all be glued to our families. We would cleave to one another. We claim that for every family represented here. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Do your homework. How many of you here are going to do your homework? Raise your hand. I'll put you in detention if you don't. I'll dock your grade. I'll ground you. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.